Good evening and welcome back to the third tier. It's Monday the 26th of April. On to this evening's show, sorry, we're joined by Ed, who's a Burton Albion fan and co-host on the D3D4 podcast. But first, let's introduce our usual suspect. Good evening, Matt. Matt, how are you? I'm all right, thank you, mate. Yeah, it's um, the playoff dream finally died at the weekend. It was it was extinguished last Saturday and then it, it, it was kept burning on Tuesday, but it, it finally went out on uh, Saturday again with another two-goal lead given away, unfortunately. So we're not learning at the moment. But no, it's 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 always been a long shot and I'm not, I'm not too down on It's been a decent season for the Jules and just hope that we can uh, finish as strong as possible now in the remaining two fixtures. And, and if we win both of them, then I think we match the 69 points that we got under Justin Edinburgh in 2015-16, which is our highest in this division for a long time. So, yeah, it's been a decent season and nothing can detract from that. But, yeah, slightly frustrated again at chucking away another 2-0 lead. Yeah, I think I think now's your opportunity to sort of kick on a little bit in terms of, like you say, a strong finish and then see where it takes you next season. But I think you'll focus on securing some of those contracts first, haven't you, to so you can build on to it next season. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, there was an article came out today on the... Um, Kent Online, which is the local newspaper down here, and it said that they did a big article on all the clubs that have got people out of contract, and Jordan Graham obviously was the notable one, but it's not confirmed. They think it's a one-year deal. Um, but I think the likes of Carl Dempsey, fingers crossed, for Dane Oliver, might have signed two-year contracts, but then we've still got some of the players that were already there out of contract, Jack Bonham, Jack Tucker, Connor Ogilvy, Stuart O'Keefe, all massive players in that team. So, yeah, hopefully it's not such a big rebuild in the summer and we can tie down some of them, but Rumours started surfacing tonight, I've seen on Twitter, and apparently Jordan Graham's going to Birmingham and Carl Dempsey's going to Nottingham Forest. But we'll see. It's, it's going to be silly season soon. So, one to keep an eye on. But, you know, all these kids start inventing these in the no pages as soon as the uh, football season ends, don't they? So The Football Insider has just reported Carl Dempsey's going to Nottingham Forest. So, yeah, that's the first rumour I've seen uh, before even the season's finished. Um, it's going to introduce now Ed. Uh, Ed, good evening. How are you? I'm not too bad out yourself, lads. Yeah, yeah good. Thank you, mate. Good to meet you. Yeah. yeah I'm a bit, uh, a bit touchy after the weekend, but um, ironically, I don't really want to talk about football at the moment <laughs> <laughs> after the last week. Uh, Monday show after beating Sunderland and, yeah, the week we've just had is uh, puts us in a touchy position. But, um, yeah, we're not too bad. Um, Ed, sort of, Talk to us. You're, you're a Burton Albion fan, obviously co-host on the uh, very popular D3D4 podcast. Talk to us about football in lockdown. We ask every guest the same question. How have you found I follow? Um, and, you know, I know it's frustrating, frustrating not being there, but you've had some serious highs and some serious lows you could have experienced whilst in the ground this year. Really has been highs and lows, hasn't it? From Burton, I think more than probably any other club. Um, life on I follow just isn't the same, is it? It's just not the same as being in the ground. There's been a lot of occasions, I think, in matches, not just involving Burton, but involving a lot of clubs in the whole EFL, where you've had late winners, great memorable moments. It's not the same celebrating in front of a laptop. It's just not the same. Like you, Maybe you can dance about your room, but you want to be able to dance about with other people around you. It's just not the same as being in the stadiums. I can't wait till we're back, and I'm, I am very confident we will be back in some form next season, whether that might not be full capacities, but it should be a good number. We can get several thousand into every stadium in the EFL, so that would be great to be back. In terms of Burton season, I can use the cliche tale of two halves because it literally has been the first half of the season. I try to forget. I'm just about going to get, I probably will forget in the next two years, but the second half of the season has been absolutely wonderful and it's incredible, really, how a change in manager and the introduction of some players can change so much. And it's been really incredible what's happened. 
Yeah, you eventually got to play Blackpool after it was uh, called off about 10 times and there was a lot of uh, <laughs> flying about. But, you know, during that time, you went through that spell of signing, what, four, five, six players um, and then it sort of transformed your side and you went on that crazy run. Um, and, yeah, it was, you know, we, we couldn't get enough at the third tier in terms of what you're actually doing, especially away from home. Um, it was just a, a mad transformation, so it's really good to see. But we'll get on to Burton season and a bit about yourself a bit later. But first and foremost, we'll talk about the League One headlines. And, of course, we had a couple of confirmations, or should I say three confirmations over the weekend uh, with Swindon and Bristol Rovers, unfortunately, getting relegated and Hull getting promoted. So I'm just going to bring in Charlie, who's a Bristol Rovers fan. Um, you would have seen him on um, his YouTube channel, which I'll let him introduce in a second. Um, but good evening, first and foremost, Charlie. Evening. How's it going? Cheers for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. Um, how are you after the weekend? Obviously, it's been coming a while in terms of your league position and, and your current form. So, you know, it's commiserations, but I do strongly believe you're you know, you're really strong candidates for next season. But what's your thoughts now you've had the weekend to, to think about it? Yeah, it's just, just been awful. I mean, it's, I mean, really... You know, doing all the streams and watching watching them all season, it's been coming for a while. Just haven't been able to score enough goals, um, and you know, you know, just mistakes and defending has just been awful. Um, so it's, it's sort of been coming for a while. So it hasn't really hurt as much because I've a lot of Rovers fans, you know, including myself, have been you know seeing it coming really for ages. Um, but yeah, it is. It obviously hurts, but. You know, hopefully it's going to be very busy summer, important summer, and hopefully, you know, we can get things sorted and come straight back up. Yeah, so what, 10 wins, 8 draws, 26 losses. When Barton took over, you were outside the relegation zone. Now he blames a lot of it on bad choices from referees or just his current team and the way they are. Is he partly to blame or is it a case of, you know, you know, um, it is the team and they are just in, in that bad of a state that he couldn't really do much with it. Yeah, I mean, it's in interesting. Obviously, there's been different, you know, views from obviously other fans as well as Rovers fans, but it's sort of a bit of both. You know, he like you, you've seen, I, you know, I bet every fan's seen the excuses about the refs. There has been a lot of, um, you know, big decisions that haven't gone our way. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the board is mostly to blame and, how the recruitment was in the summer because he, he hasn't even brought in any players. We've got him in after January, but obviously it's been awful, but he's tried everything. He's tried different formations, different players, but you know, really it's, it really has just been basic mistakes um, at the back and not scoring enough really. And when he took over, you were quite confident that he potentially would keep you up. So, what would you say has changed? I know you said mad mistakes, etc. But what do you think the overall sort of feeling is about that? What's changed? Because I know he didn't have the easiest job keeping you up, but at the same time, he was coming to do that job, and he's ultimately failed. So, what would you put it down to? Is it just bad luck? Is it just the form, or is it just the players? You know, um, it, it sort of varies. I think Nicholson getting injured is a big one for us because he was so good creativity wise and. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's, there's a lot of things because we have had some good games. You know, when he's been in, we we battered Accrington, um, played Shrewsbury off the park, got a good win. And then there's other games where we've like Burton. 
Burton away, you know, first half, we was we was pretty much all over them. Um, couldn't really score. Then we get a red card, change the game. But, I mean, most of it is just, you know, you know, mistakes and defending, just basic, basic stuff, you know, which you you can be on the training ground. I mean, he's obviously got got Clint Hill with him, who's a, you know, defensive coach, but you can only do so much on the training ground, you know, when it comes to the pitch and, you know, doing your job, they just haven't done it, you know, all over the park. There's only um, a few, you know, handful of players that you could say that have actually shown 100% effort and, you know, quality on the pitch. Yeah, Matt, have you got any sort of questions for Charlie or any feelings on the relegation? Uh, I, I think I heard today watching the highlights, doing a bit of research before the game, that it's a record amount of defeats in, a, in an EFL season, is it? Which, which tells you all you need to know, unfortunately. And Charlie knows that only too well. He watches the gas more than I do. I only sort of see it from an outsider's point of, point of view. But I won't make too many comments about why you struggled so badly defensively when you signed our captain and, and why you've not scored enough goals when you signed our best striker. But... All jokes aside, obviously they've not really worked out for one reason or another. But it's um, it's a shame because the, the the gas cast is a brilliant podcast. Charlie's channel's really good. All the Bristol Rovers fans that I generally sort of interact with on Twitter are really good people, and they deserve better. But yeah, I think Arton has to play some part in terms of the blame because. He's had a lot of games. It's not like he's coming with just half a dozen to go. He's had a good sort of 15, 20 matches now to try and turn it around. And the comments about Max Amar, we've already spoken about. It was a risk. Has it paid off? I'd say no, because they've ultimately got relegated. So there's plenty of stuff that needs sorting out. And again, Charlie would know more about it than we do. We can only see what we read on social media. But it seems that it's probably a collective thing, isn't it, Charlie, from top to bottom as to why it's gone so horrendously wrong? Because I genuinely thought your, your recruitment in the summer was decent. My only concern was Ben Garner. But aside from that, I had you down as, I think, 10th in my pre-season video. And if you got a decent start, it could potentially have been higher. But obviously, it's gone right the other way, unfortunately. And it's ended up with you dropping into the basement division. But I think if Bartman, Barton sorry, has a good a good pre-season I've heard he's going to get them in early according to social media reports and on the quest highlights then he's got no excuses has he next term that's the thing it'll be his team it'll be his his Bristol Rovers and he's he's obviously got to be targeting the top three in the league too I'd imagine yeah yeah definitely I think I think it, yeah you know like you said and like a lot of Rovers fans said it's been it's it's all over you know the club really from the board um, to the you know recruitment I mean in the summer there was you know I was you know before the season I I said 10th as well in my uh, predictions video for Rovers but that was when we had Clark Harris when when you take out 27 goals he got in 18 months or you know a year and a half or whatever it was because obviously the season got could tell then you need to replace him with a equally as good striker but that's that's what the big thing we sold it for one point two five million, and even Hanlon, we we still haven't pay, even paid the whole. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> it's been that's been going on, you know, we're crazy. But we, you know, the the fee was apparently fifty k or around that. So you see that we've still got all that money, and we should have replaced him with a. But it's you know it's from top to bottom. It's been bad since uh, last January when we were fourth and Graham Coughlin left. You know, since then, four managers in 18 months says it all, really. Yeah, it's been a massive turnaround, hasn't it, Ed? And I don't know if you've got sort of any different thoughts on Bristol Rovers' season and 
sort of the way they've plummeted. But yeah, what, what's your views on their on their season? It's never easy talking about relegation, is it? In any sense, um, the way I've always believed, if you get onto three managers in a season, you're asking for trouble. And that's not more down to the players. That's normally down to the board making the job choice with the second appointment. If you have a manager and you change them during the season, fine. Sometimes that can work out. But if you're then changing it again, that's a sign really that you're in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, that is the case with Bristol Rovers. I wanted to ask you, Charlie, about some of the players. I know it's quite difficult to say at this stage because we have the summer window still ahead of us yet. Things might change. Whenever I've watched Bristol Rovers, ones have always stood out to me is people like Anzi Yakula in goal, Luke Leahy at left back, and Sam Nicholson in his kind of attacking midfield role. How likely do you reckon you could keep those three into next season? Well, I've seen today that they're they're um, in talks with Leahy, you know, straight away, hoping he can sign um, Nicholson. He's got another year left, but the thing is, his his injury, which is obviously one of the biggest um, you know, reasons as well, because, you know, when we had him, he was Eve's class, but the injury is meant to be going into this next season. Um, so I think he'll, I'm, I'm not sure with him what's going to happen because he'll only have a year left. And Yakola, it's annoying with him as well, because this season and last season, he's, I think he's 35 now. Um, and he, he got a bad injury last season and this season as well. I think we had to get in Joe Day on loan. And our other keeper, uh, Van Stappershoff, was pretty awful, to be honest. So he, But hopefully he can stay. I think he's got a year left as well. But I'm hoping he can stay because he's, he's, he's got a, quite a young family. So I don't think he'll want to move anyway, Yukola. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on next season already? Like I know there's been early talks, as Matt alluded to. You're probably going to be signing a lot of players and... He's definitely going to get rid of some, isn't he? Because he's made his feelings very clear on a lot of your squad. So, are you optimistic already, or are you just a bit? You just sort of accepting it at the moment. Yes, it's 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 going to be interesting. That's all I can say. I think there's. I mean, the problem is that the um, obviously the before the season was. I mean, Garner. I still don't know why we got. I'm in because he got rid of a lot of the the spine of the team. Uh, Linesy, um, Circum, who's going to come up to League Two with Cheltenham. Um, Tony Craig was a massive miss at the back. 35, you know, Kilgore. Yeah, Kilgore, who's he's he's missed that leader next to him. He's he's been nothing from like from what he's used to be. And I mean, hopefully, um, it's going to be a good summer. But it's going to be like you said. There's a lot of players out of contract which have just been awful or haven't worked out and are on a lot of money. Upson, awful. Um, Mark Little, you know, was quality back in the day, but we signed him just after he'd been left out for a year because he had a fallout with Parkinson at Bolton. You know, they're on like three grand a week and they've hardly played or they've been awful. So at least a lot of them will be going. Um the deadwood and like you said it's going to be a massive change but who we bring in is going to be interesting to see uh for next season yeah well we've got to leave it there because we've got ant to bring in as well but if you want to just quickly sign off by telling everyone about sort of your channel and and how we can access it that'd be great yeah one rovers vlogs on uh youtube um on the road to 3k and twitter uh at one rovers vlogs as well 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and hopefully we have you back on next season and, you know, um, it's, it's been good meeting you during the time at the third tier as well. Without this channel, we wouldn't have met. So um, we'll keep in touch, of course, and, and I look forward to seeing your videos next season. Yeah, cheers. Appreciate it. Keep up the thanks. good work. Thanks. Cheers, Charlie. Um, moving on uh, very swiftly to some more positive news. We're going to bring in Ant, who's a whole City fan. Ant, congratulations and good evening. All right, mate. Thank you. Um, how are you guys? You all right? Yeah, very yeah. well. Thank you, mate. Yeah, you're in a lot better position than me. This is your chance to gloat in front of Matt. I've been saying from stream, <laughs> stream one that you'll do it. I did say Sunderland will do it, but they've they've choked as well. And Peter have actually kept some consistency this season. So, congratulations! Just your time to gloat in front of Matt, who did change his mind last week, but is a bit little, too, too little, too late for me. Uh, and 26 wins, eight draws, 10 losses. Um, you've had goals all over the pitch, and and your defence has been pretty solid. But in your opinion, what's been the key factors of your successful season? Um, I've actually been quite a vocal critic of Grant McCann. Um, probably the first half of this season, I wasn't really a fan either. Um, his his lack of a plan B always seemed to annoy me. If if you know we we play a certain way and if it doesn't work, we don't tend to change it, which means that throughout the entire game it doesn't work. But you know he's he's stuck to his guns. He's he's received a bit of criticism, especially on social media. Um, but what I've admired about him is he just instantly blocks it. He gets rid of it. Um, he, he's got no time for any sort of negativity. And I think it's that kind of um, role models reflected on the team. I think that they've got more of a you know, a tough skin about them. They look at McCann and how he's dealt with it and realise that they just need to focus on their own game, keep on the positives, keep doing what they're doing, believe in themselves and the system that he's trying to do. And fair play, I mean, I was, I was more than happy to eat a little bit of humble pie because um, he's, he's definitely won me over. I think any fan would uh, the job is done as well look like you're going to win the title and you know League One you may say you know you're too big for but you, like Ipswich and other clubs in Portsmouth through the years you found out that you know League One isn't too big for anybody and you've got to do a really good job and you've certainly done that Matt your thoughts on the whole season and, and you know genuinely I know I know you said they might not do it but they've been incredible haven't they I like that. That's a good link there. We mentioned humble pie, and then you have to come to me and fair play to them. They've been absolutely superb. I kept saying I thought they'd drop off. They haven't. They keep finding a way to grind out points when they're not at their best. Best defence, scored the most in the division, tells you all that you need to know. The, 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 the second choice strikers are half-decent from what I can remember of him two seasons in Kent as well. But I think Josh McGuinness deserves loads of credit. He's one of them that goes under the radar because of the likes of George Honeyman and uh, Keen Lewis Potter, uh, Malik Wilkes. They're the headline grabbers, I think, and Matt Ingram in goal. I said a few weeks ago, very experienced at this level, solid keeper. Probably got one of the best fullbacks in Callum Elder. They're a solid side, aren't they? And, and they just, like I say, they just kept grinding out results, even when their performances haven't been quite there. They've managed to get points on the board, and no fair play. And I'll happily sit here and eat the whole humble pie because they deserve to go up. It's going to be interesting. Peterborough's game in hands tomorrow night, I think. So if they win that, is it, is it level points, I think? And it could come down to goal different by the end of the season. So it's going to be a great end in terms of who actually goes up as champions. But they've been the best two teams in the division. And let's just see, let them fight it out over the next fortnight. But yeah, congratulations yeah. to you, Ant, and to everyone else at the Hull and Back podcast. Because I had you down as just outside the playoff start of the season. I thought it would take a while to adjust to this level. Um, I've seen Ipswich come down in recent seasons, Sunderland, and struggle to adjust straight away. Uh, Portsmouth, like Tom's mentioned, have been down in the bottom two divisions for a while now. But no, you've been absolutely superb. And again, as well, like you've mentioned, great um, credit has to go to Grant McCann. He stuck to his principles. You're getting promoted. So, well done. Ed, anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I echo what um, both Ant and Matt had said, really. I remember pre-season going to League One, which was always going to be tough anyway because we knew it was going to be such an open division. And I remember getting to Hull and thinking, where do I put these? I really didn't know at the time because I don't want to dwell too much on last season, but the collapse, losing Grzycki, losing Bowen was a horrible and it was a real drop in just performance and results all the way through. And I was quite sceptical about McCann. I didn't really know if he was the right man to turn things around. I know there was a bit of mixed opinions about whether he was the right man to take hold forwards, but all credit to him, he really has turned it around. And that, like Matt has said, they are just, I think they're the best team in the league, even more than Peterborough, to be honest. I fancy them to take the title, even if Peterborough do get the win tomorrow night. What I wanted to ask you, Ant, was that front line, McGuinness, Keane-Lewis Potter, Malik Wilkes, George Honeyman in midfield, get all the attention. I wanted to ask you about Alfie Jones and Jacob Greaves, who are a young pair of centre-backs. Jacob Greaves previously at Cheltenham the previous season, how have you found them? Are they been players that have been really important towards the defence? Do you think they could have a big role to play in the championship? Maybe not Alfie Jones being on loan, but definitely Jacob Greaves. Um, Jones isn't actually on loan. We've got him on a one-year oh, contract. Oh, sorry, yeah. I thought he was on loan. Apologies. I think I'm sure we've got a one-year extension in the summer. It was probably depending on promotion because he's, he's he's far too good for this league. So I'd imagine that they've convinced him to come to us for a season by saying, "Look, if we don't go straight back up, you're free to go in summer," kind of thing. But no, yeah, they've they've both been pivotal. Um, I think the system that McCann tries to play, where he needs his centre-backs to be ball-playing centre-backs, they need to to be comfortable on the ball, to play it around the back. Uh, we play quite some quite dangerous football around the back four sometimes, but it tends to work out. Um, Alfie Jones has been more than effective in whatever position he's been deployed in. I, I personally think he's brilliant in that defensive midfield role. Um, he's composed, he reads the game well, he breaks up play. He doesn't mess about on the ball. He gives it to someone more gifted like Doherty or Honeyman and lets them do their thing. But he just goes about the game like just. With, he's, he's the kind of player that you know does the ugly work and doesn't tend to get the the plaudits mm -hmm. for it because you know you've got the likes of Honeyman going up the other end and assisting every time. But no, they've both been absolutely brilliant. And then when we lost Bear, we thought you know the season might curtail a bit towards the end because we we didn't have much faith in Regan Slater. Uh, we had to drop Jones back into centre-back and he's been just as effective there. And credit to Slater as well, who's, who's stepped in and done well. Uh, Greaves, especially being a Hull lad, I think, plays with a bit more desire and enthusiasm than you'd probably find because he was only on loan at Cheltenham last season, so he hasn't got much league experience. He's only a youngster still. Um, and he's he's pushed Geordie Device, who was our first-choice centre-back out of the team, and we've had to send him on loan to QPR. So the fact that Device couldn't get back in the team above Greaves sort of speaks volumes about how he's been. Um, but Greaves, the only inkling you'll have with Greaves is that he should have about 10 goals. I think the, the <laughs> yeah, miss against Gillingham was should. probably the worst oh, one. Yeah. yeah, can't forget that one. Oh. I don't know why I thought Arthur Jones was on loan. I got it in my head he was. I must be thinking of a different Jones. There's so many Joneses in football. Could be any one of them, to be honest. But yeah, that's great. I had a comment coming here um, from Michael. Well done, Ant, on promotion. Can't say I'm surprised. We, Sunderland, bottled it again. Uh, I'll have Honeyman back if you like. Can't believe we let him go. But is that a admission Honeyman is uh, better than McGeady? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what is uh, your thoughts already? And I know it's way too early to probably say, but you know how better than all of us in, in, in this room. What's your genuine thoughts on uh, the championship next season? Obviously, being there... Um, before yo-yo in a little bit but you'll, you'll be back next season as Edward pointed out at the start of the show fans should be back next season um, in some yeah. capacity anyway um, do you think you can do well do you think you'll spend money or you know, or do you think you're good enough now to, to sort of give it a go I, I, you see it's funny because with the spending money side of things since um, since the FA rejected uh, the Alam's name change um, 
they said they would stop investing. Um, to be fair, they, they, they did well in summer. They got McCann what he wanted. He, he recruited the likes of uh, Smallwood, Doherty. He got a lot of good players, Louis Coyle. Um, but in terms of spending money, I can't see us spending a lot. The, the ethos of the club at the moment tends to be um, invest in the youth, bring them through to the first team and then sell them on for a, for a much higher value, like you know, like what we saw with Jared Bowen. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It depends on their aspirations, whether or not you know they're, they're, they're looking at pushing up to the higher echelons of the championship. You know, the Premier League riches is always a, a tempting factor to any owner, and we're a more sellable club up at the higher reaches of the championship. So it depends what they want to do, really, um, whether they want to push on or just consolidate. Um, but in terms of our chances next season, it's a weird one because I think the championship looks a little bit weaker next next year than what it has been. In recent years, like obviously the bottom three at uh, the top, the, the teams that got relegated from the Premier League have gone straight back up, essentially, because I think Bournemouth are going to go up as well. Um, and the team, the teams that are left in the league, I think it's a very even playing field in terms of you know Coventry have managed to stay up. Um, so you've got a lot of teams in there that you'd fancy yourself against. And I think we've got a few Championship quality players in the squad. You look at the likes of Doherty, King Lewis Potter, and Malik Wilkes are both still really young, so they're only going to get better. McGuinness has got that experience. George Honeyman's gone up to another level. So I'd like to think we'll do well. I don't I don't think we'll be aiming at the top six. I think, you know, we want to be staying in the league, but I can't see us coming back down. No, I, I completely agree. The players you just named there are and as Ed Ed said, this is um probably one of the best times to be in the championship, um, just based on the club situations. Look at Derby, how they're struggling and you know, there's it's a good time to go up and with the players you've just named, I don't see why you can't finish in the top half with some investment as well. Um, Matt, Ed, have you got any questions? We'll start with you, Matt. Just to touch on Alfie Jones again, obviously we had him on loan last season. He was really good. And, and I said, I thought he might have been in and around the Southampton squad. That's how good he was for us playing defensive midfield. Cause weirdly it seems to have gone the other way with how we bought him in as a centre back and he started at centre back. And then, I think he, he played one game as a holding midfielder in a diamond and was really good and stayed there for the rest of the season. And you could probably count the amount of bad games he had on one hand. But yeah, I was surprised that he went to Hull and that's no disrespect to Hull. I thought he'd have gone championship or even been in and around the Southampton squad because they got rid of Hoiberg in the summer and he went to Tottenham. Yeah. I'm not saying he was going to go in and play loads of games, but I just thought he'd have been in and around the 18. So fair play to Hull, number one, for getting him in and it's great to see him doing really well. And obviously Tom Eves as well, who's, who's, a, who's a fan favourite at Jules. And I've just seen Scoops has, has commented and said, can we have him back? But um, we'd have three clones then, I think, wouldn't we, Scoops? If we got him, Akindi and Eves, Christ, we'd get moaned at even more about going direct. So we will have enough of that this season. <laughs> but no, again, all I can say is fair play to Alfie Jones and Tom Eves. Obviously, as, as former Jules players, it's great to see. And, and congratulations to Hull again. Awesome. Ed, finish with you, mate. That's why I thought Alfie Jones was on loan because he was at Gillingham last season. That's what's got me out of trouble. The problem. There there you go. Perfect. You can um, sleep tonight. <laughs> no, yeah, I completely agree. I'm curious about how um, Malik Wilkes and Keenan Park are under the step. I think they're both really, really good players. People that really should have been playing in the championship this season, to be honest, having them in League One was a bit of a cheat code, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned, from a whole perspective. How do you see their futures going, Ant? Um, you see, we, we signed Wilkes in January last season and he was probably, you know, once we lost Bowden and Grisicki, he was easily our best player and our biggest goal threat. Um, he's, he's, he's a bit inconsistent. He's got a few bits on his game that he needs to work on. Um, his end product, sometimes, you know, he, he, he passes when he should shoot and vice versa or 
it, it, it did it against Lincoln. He rounded about four players, did a 60-yard run. And then in, instead of squaring it to somebody else's easy option, he tried to shoot from 30 yards. So he would, let's be honest. If you go past that, yeah, 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 most of his thoughts for it. Yeah, but that he's got he's got some inconsistencies on his game that he needs to work on. But you know he's just he's, he's over twenty goals in all competitions this season, so um, I can't see why he won't be able to step up and continue scoring the championship, even if he got ten fifteen. Um, you know, with the other other players in the squad pipping in, um, that should be enough to keep us in the league anyway. Uh, King Lewis Potter, um, he didn't play as many games in the championship as what we would want him to play. Um, we wanted him to start a lot more, especially towards the end of the season, you know, because what you get with Keno every game is 100% effort. They'll run his heart out for the team. You know, he's a, another local lad um, and he's, he's he's just got better and better as the season went on. We had a bit of a worry about December time when he had a contract dispute. Um, if he started one more game, they had to, I think, more than double his wages. So McCann was told to keep him on the bench which obviously kept, coincided with quite a bad run of form because we couldn't play him. Um, but obviously that sorted out now and then he's, he's, he's got his, his dribbling, his decision-making, his drive at the back four. He's, he's just getting better. So it's another similar situation to Wilkes. He's just going to learn more. I think having Josh McGuinness in the middle of them both, you know, that experienced head, um, you know, giving him a few pointers here and there because you can hear McGuinness now on iFollow shouting at them all. See, he's effing and blinding all game at all of them, McGuinness. is class. Um, but... Yeah, oh, but think, when Steve you know, does it, it's horrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but um, Josh McGinnis <laughs> is a likable guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think they're both doing back. well. <laughs> um, and, and and obviously you've got you've got goals from other places on the on the team. Yeah, respects the centre back. He scored five goals, so we should be all right. Yeah, um, just to finish, and again, congratulations. We might we might do sort of a, a promotion and relegation special at the end as well. So we, we'll be pleased to have you on again. But tell us a bit about your your is it a newish podcast? I do apologise, I'm new to only eight weeks in. So um, yeah, feel free to tell us about your channel and how you're getting on. Yeah, it's fairly new. Um, we started it in December um, last year. Um, it was more of a more started on a whim. We've never done podcasting. I've never done podcasting. I've I've listened to a few and always thought, you know, I'd like I'd like to do that sort of thing, but never had the uh, the guts to do it. Um, it was more or less of a just to replace, you know, we couldn't go to games. You can't talk to your mates about the games in pubs and stuff. So it was more to just, re you know, replace that. Uh, just sort of do your pub chat over the phone and just let people listen to it and see if they agree with you kind of thing. So it was just, just three mates, started it up. Um, it's going well so far. It's gone um, a bit better than we expected it to. Because obviously neither, none of us have ever done any of this kind of thing before. So... It was it's it's a bit scary, but we we're getting there now. We're getting about hundred listens per episode. So you know, in, in in the few months that we've been here, it's getting bigger and bigger. We're partnered with Fan Hub, like you guys. It's 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 brought us into this new community where we just all talk football, and it's yeah, it's brilliant. We love it. No, it's quality, and I completely agree. It brings you closer, and like you say, it's more daunting for you than it is the listeners, as as obvious as that sounds, because you don't want to go live on camera, etc. I was the same, but you know, it's 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 been a pleasure, and um, I know Jill, uh, Jules and the Blood TV has been going for a while, and Matt's a pro now, but um, you know, it's it's been awesome uh, since we did the channel, and it, really good to have you on, mate. So thanks for giving us your thoughts and the insight on Hull, and hopefully we can have a chat soon, and good luck next season. Yeah, cheers for having me. Thank you, buddy. Right, guys, moving on. Uh, we are 
just over half an hour into the show. So keep your comments coming in. I was going to review Tuesday's results. Not that I want to, uh, but we're going to have a sort of a quick glimpse at Tuesday's results um, from sort of last Tuesday after our show. And I'll start with you, Ed. Is there anything on that screen that stands out for you in terms of um, sort of shock results or, shock, you know, results you didn't expect? You see, this is the thing I've always done. I don't know if you guys find this as well, but I find the Tuesday results throw up more surprises than the Saturday ones do. And I've never really worked out why that is. I feel I don't know whether it's maybe something to do with potential rotation that some of the bigger sides do. But I always find there's more shocks I find on the Tuesday night games and the other Saturday afternoon ones. And the one that stands out for me there immediately is Northampton Town for Ipswich Town nil. Like if you told me that was happening 10 years ago, I would have questioned what was wrong with your head. Honestly. Just something crazy like that. I know Ipswich haven't been great this season at all, to be honest. They've been pretty poor, even though I think there's a bright future in there with the manager they've got and the owner they currently got in. But this squad at the minute looks just bang average. And you see the thorn they're in at the minute, and I'm not that surprised. Maybe not the Northampton won, but by that margin, it's a bit of Ipswich being bad and Northampton being great. But I think Northampton deserve a lot of credit for what was a fantastic win on that occasion. Yeah, I think Ipswich can't score goals at the moment. They were punished severely. The moment they let in more than one, you kind of know that that's the end game for them. And I'm finding Paul Cook's voice changes after each game more more exciting at the moment than I am um, their, their football. They did a double over Blackpool, of course, because you know we 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 like to and as well. They always yeah. do, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Matt, any any other results for you that stand out for me? It was a Swindon game, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, at the risk of annoying you even more, I'm going to pick Rochdale because they're effect- they've, they've been in last, car- last, last last chance saloon once I put my teeth back in for the last three or four games. I think they've won three on the bounce before Saturday. So there's no margin for error, is there, with Rochdale? So they're having to keep winning and they, they certainly can't afford to lose again now. And I thought that was a brilliant result. They're a, they're a side that's, that's had these weird anomalies and we've spoken about it before on this podcast where they had that run of games where they kept scoring fours and threes and fours and twos and, and couldn't win games. And then when they started keeping clean sheets, they stopped scoring. So to to pinch it and to be resolute defensively against a good Blackpool side that, that tore us apart a few weeks ago. And I know the threats that Kai Kai and Yates, etc., bring to these games. And no fair play to, to, to Rochdale to, to keep it going. I still don't think they'll have quite enough, unfortunately, based on tomorrow's games that we'll get on to. But... I thought that was a brilliant result for Rochdale. And considering that they'd not won at home for about 18 or 19, I think to win three on the spin is is a marvellous effort and a brilliant turnaround. It just about keeps them alive and kicking. Yeah, I think Ed mentioned, is it the rotation? I say of the bigger clubs, not claiming Blackpool are big, but is it? are we claiming sort of rotation? But I wish Critchley did actually rotate his squad because he's, 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 we're knackered at the moment. And that sort of showed with a lacklustre performance um, on Tuesday. Um, keep your comments coming in, guys. Uh, Doing chat one out of five goals there. I'm not sure what that comment was in relation to. I do apologise. Uh, and unfortunately, Ipswich reminds me of another East Anglian side in Colchester. Poorly ran and now look a 30 side for long term. We'll see see how they do next season. I think Paul Cook can do wonders with, with in League One. And I think with investment with their new owners, they're certainly going to be up there this next season, in my opinion. They're certainly be challenging. Um, we'll move on quickly to, in, in conscious of time, to sort of Saturday's results. Um Matt, we'll start with you this time. Just the weekend gone. Um, what are your thoughts on on the results and um, any shocks for you? Uh, shocks? Not, not really. I didn't think there was any shocks this weekend, which is 
unusual for League One. I think most of them went to form. I'd started doing a prediction series on Friday. I had Portsmouth to win. I suppose you've got a really... <laughs> sorry, but it's probably Shrewsbury again. I think it's, I don't know if Ed thinks the same, but that's probably the closest to a shock I can see in them results on Saturday. Maybe Accrington coming from 2-0 down, but and Northampton getting a point at Jules after being 2-0 down as well. But I don't think there was a, a huge shock in any of the fixtures at the weekend. I think most of them generally went to just about the form. Um, so, yeah, sorry. I'm going to say Shrewsbury at Blackpool again. I'm probably going to be... <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a statement announced later by the third tier that I've been released on a free transfer. But what did you think, Ed? Because for me, there wasn't any great, great standouts there in terms of you went, oh, blimey, that result, I didn't see that coming at all. Well, I mean, when I don't, sorry, Matt, but when Jules were 2 0 up, I didn't mm. see that turning around, I've got to be honest. Well, I said um, that in terms of, yeah, the, the fact that yeah. we were 2 0 up with 20 to play. Yeah. But I suppose at the end of the day, we, maybe Jules we've, got habit, we've got a habit of doing it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Sunderland 3, Accrington 3 stands out. It just does. I know, I think Accrington's record at Stadium Light is actually quite good. Just having a look through, I think they haven't played there very often, but they've done all right in those results. It's just the whole Sunderland storm. They use the term streaky Lee to describe mm. Lee Johnson. And to be honest, it's it's the Gates again. He's back on it. There was a point where they looked like they were just going to cruise their way into the top two, really challenge Holden Peterborough. And now you're thinking... Well, they're probably going to. They will end up in the playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. But you're not entirely sure they'll end up third. To be honest, I still wonder if Lincoln could overtake them. I still wonder if someone like Blackpool could maybe overtake them if they could rethon the Thorny. Obviously, play Sunderland very soon, so that's a really important game there. To be two 0 up, pull it back to two two to get the win, and then concede to that. What was a really good three kick from was it Sean McConville? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. who's an absolutely quality player at this level. But that's a fantastic result there. Um, I'll do the Wigan one as well. Wigan one, Burton one, securing the survival for Burton. Probably not a surprise to a lot of us now for several weeks, but if you told me three months ago that we were going to get a draw at Wigan with three games to spare and survive, I would not say I wouldn't have believed you. Really? No, we're going to come on to Burton season yeah. in a minute. Um, I think just, just one about... thing to touch on, sorry, in that Sunderland game, just before we go off of that completely as well. Charlie White, 30 goals in a season, first player yeah. for Sunderland yeah. since Kevin Phillips yeah. in about 1999 yeah, yeah. 2000s. It's a fabulous excellent. achievement because he's been really good. And I know the Sunderland fans weren't over keen on in the first couple of seasons. He had injury problems, but that's that's a phenomenal effort at any level. The, the mad thing is he's been on a couple of Barron spells as well. I say Barron's been four or five games, but just imagine he chipped away at that sort of a couple of goals in a couple of those games. He's had chances. He had a couple of chances against Peterborough as well, didn't he, on telly. And, you know, he's he's been an incredible season. He's, he's going to be sort of pivotal for them come the playoffs because they're going to need him to be bang on form. And 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 like Ed said, you know, they're not, they're not exactly guaranteed playoffs. And I know they're a big squad, but I don't I can't even predict tomorrow. I don't know what Critchley is going to do, but they don't pick up a win tomorrow. Then it may be pick up a couple of draws and Charlton and everyone keep winning around them. Then, you know, they could drop out. It's not impossible. Um, I don't think they will, but hopefully, you know, for Lee Johnson's case and Sullivan's case, they can pick up a bit of form because, you know, it's going to be a difficult, I think, difficult mission to pick themselves up after missing yeah. out on automatics to then um, go and win the playoffs. Talking about strikers as well, I think we've got a good mention of MK Dons for that 5-0 win. Yeah. I know Swindon are, you know, it's probably a bit of Swindon being terrible because they have been for a long time and unfortunately that confirmed their relegation. But that was an example of what MK Dons can be. I'm really, really excited about them next season. I think we could see one of, if not the best, doubling side in the division. Griggs on loan, if I remember right, at the minute, and they can re-keep him for the season. That's great, because that's exactly what he's about. The link-up between him and Scott Fraser next season could produce goal after goal after goal. 
they could be two of the best in this league. I'm really excited about what MK Dons could be next season under Russell Martin. Yeah, huge shout. And I think in the last 10, they're second in the league, losing two, um, drawing one, I believe it is, something like that. So literally second in the league, you know, out of the last 10 games, just shows you what a job is done. Um, they've been really consistent as well. And, you know, that they are going to go about it the right way. And a bit like how they take risks at the back, etc. They've been punished a little bit more because they haven't got the same amount of quality. Um, but like you say, they can definitely, There's that wouldn't be a surprise to me now if you say they're going to be challenging for the playoffs next season, just based on what they've done at the back end of this season. Definitely. So. Definitely. Um, we're going to go on to tomorrow's fixtures in a bit, guys, but um, more so now focusing on um, Ed yourself. Um, so introduce yourself for those that you don't know, co-host on the D3D4 podcast. I'm surprised if anyone doesn't know what it is, um, but feel free to talk about it um, a little bit more and, and, and your role within within the podcast. Yeah, so my name is Edward. I'm um, a bit of an EFL team the rest of the years. I've been a Burton Albion fan since late 2000s when I got into football quite late compared to a lot of other people probably around high school age but the interest was there straight to me off Burton's a club I have a personal connection with I was born in the town always felt like I had a place really at that club and I've grown from there I never really you know it's been quite a joy being a Burton Albion fan these last 10 years getting to be going from league two going back to back promotions into the championship dropping back out of that feeling like quite an established league one side even if this season we've looked like at one point we're going to drop completely out of it and since, when was it, December 2019, I got involved with the D3D4 Football Podcast. It's run by um, James Richards, co-hosted by Chris Stringer. We cover every single game in the third and fourth tier. So that's League One and League Two, hence the D3D4 names it used to be. We go through every result. We talk about the news stories. We try to condense it into about an hour. We try to stop James talking about Oxford non-stop because he's an Oxford fan. That's all he ever goes on about. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun doing that. I've really enjoyed being involved in it for the last year or so. Really good fun. We love to interact. We've built a really good community in the lower leagues because it still doesn't get the coverage it deserves. That's what we've always fully believed. These leagues are so enjoyable. I think they've been the most enjoyable leagues in England this season, more than the Premier League, more than the Championship. There's been so much drama, particularly League One. It's been so difficult to call pretty much from the word go. And we've really wanted to provide a voice for it, and that's what we've been trying to do over the last few years. And I've really enjoyed being part of it. You're... You, yeah, you say it's been the most sort of their exciting leagues. League two is certainly. I know we're not we're not a league, uh, league um, yeah. two podcast, but at the same time, that the quality within that league is is got better and better every year, and the players it's producing is pretty mad. And we're seeing a lot of those come into League one, aren't we? Yeah, we are. League two and League one is a gap. I'd never think is really that big. I think there's a lot of sides. If you handle things right with your recruitment and you're steady with your structure, you can handle the step up to League one really well. Some teams, in some cases, we've seen even go and go bounce straight back up to the next division. I think about Luton a couple of years ago who were in League two, had that really brilliant three scoring side with those great attacking fullbacks and went straight up. It's a league a lot of people can manage. And I think you'll notice, particularly with the introduction of Brexit, rules about foreign transfers you're going to see a lot of players from the lower leagues jump up into league one into the championship potentially even into the premier league if they seem to have that kind of potential so it's always worth keeping invested in the lower leagues now more than ever because you're about to see the future young talent come through before anyone else yeah i completely agree and with i think me being a blackpool fan um matt being a gillingham fan yourself being a burton fan you always got a bit you know, we go to school and there's a lot of Premier League fans on there and you talk about Blackpool, we talk about Gillingham and they're like, what league is that? But you've kind of come self-obsessed with football as a whole and you become more, I think, intertwined with it, especially as a kid I grew up, I knew everything about League Two, League One and, you know, you then focus on match of the day, then you used to watch the championship highlights. So you knew a lot about all the leagues and I think as a league, people need to get 
uh, a bit more knowledgeable about because you know like you say it's exciting football and people are now focusing a bit more on the championship because of how exciting that is and the teams within it we're starting to see that appear into league one now with Portsmouth you know Blackpool um, all these teams Sunderland in league one and it's becoming quite a big league isn't it yeah I think there's still the stereotypes amongst a lot of people that the lower leagues of English football are just Brexit shithouse football as you like to say sorry but quite direct football um I know Gillingham aren't really the best example against that, if we're being totally honest, but <laughs> the quality of these leagues are improving every year. They're getting a lot better. There's much better footballing sides in League One and League Two. If you have these ideas that this is just a hoofball league, there's not really much attractive football, that's not true. There are some sides that play that way, depending on the circumstance of the game, but there's so much quality in this league. Some players that can go on to have fantastic careers, higher up the pyramid, potentially even become internationals, as we've seen in the past. It's always well worth checking out, and I fully believe people need to get more invested in it than they are already. Matt, any questions from yourself to add about Burton, or you know, any 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 comments you want to say back to the hoofball comments? <laughs> Go on. No, <laughs> I've not said it once. I've said it a million times this season. I want to ask you quickly, and as well, because I know you do D three, D four, and it's a brilliant podcast, and I've been lucky enough to appear on there once as well, and uh, I know James through it as well, but. Um, didn't you set up the Match Day Man as well, which is a stadium guide? Could you just talk us about that? Yeah, I did. Um, this is something I'm looking to fully launch this summer when we've got the return of fans. So I always felt there was a bit of a market for stadium guides. You have some stadium guides out there that are quite generic. They give a sort of bit of information. Here's the directions to it. Here's a couple of pictures of it. What I always wanted the Match Day Man to be was a really detailed guide to essentially every stand to help you pick your seat because sometimes you get to a situation where you're coming to a club for the first time you're being offered the seat selection stage and you get to it and you think well what's that stand do what does that stand mean what does that stand show that's the idea behind it i have set up a stadium guide that provides detailed information on every single stadium currently in the 92 i'm looking to expand beyond there go down to non-league looking to get to scotland as well i'm preparing to fully launch that in the post-season, ready for the new campaign, because I fully believe fans are going to be back. And I'm looking to really promote that over the next year or two to get a lot of interest, because I believe there will be. Excellent. No, it sounds exciting. And you, you are on Twitter, aren't you, as well? So that can be followed yes. on Twitter, at the Match Day Man, I believe it is as well. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes, yeah. no, definitely, I'm going to press follow now. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get on that as well. There used to be, I think, when we used to go to football when I was younger, there used to be something that we used to watch uh, on the internet for. I don't know if it was match uh, the stadium ground guide or something, and there used to be something similar. So I think to have it now um, is awesome. So I take it you go through sort of pubs, etc., for away fans and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm always looking for new bits to add. So if people ever get the chance to check it out, you want to drop me a message, just think of something I've missed. I want this to be as accurate as possible. And the people who know the stands best are the people who go every single week. So if you find your guide on there, you think there's something I've missed, something major, major or whether it's quite minor, get in touch with me. I want to add it and I want this to be detailed because I want everyone to be make great use of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's awesome. I'm going to get following that in a second as well. Um, talk to us about Burton season. Um, well, first and foremost, we'll, we'll ask you the standard question. Favourite memory and worst memory and why uh, supporting Burton? Is that this season or in general? No, just in general, yeah, supporting Burton. Uh, Favourite moment would have to be the final game of the 2015-16 season. Got a goalless draw at Doncaster at the keep mode, which confirmed their place in the championship having been League Two the previous season, to go back-to-back promotions for a club that size. I think it's only now that they've dropped out of the Championship that I've realised exactly what they did. 
that was like being a shrimp in a pool of sharks, being in the championship for those two seasons. They were such the underdog. They were meant to be bottom with zero points and to compete for two seasons like they did and go down the final day was fantastic. And that moment of getting over Doncaster was brilliant. I'll never forget that day. It was a pretty bad game, to be honest, but all they needed was a point. So that's, they got excited that it never really felt like they weren't going to get it either, to be honest, and got to enjoy two seasons of the championship, which was such a memorable moment. The worst, I think I might go with the day when they dropped out the championship, to be honest, because four weeks prior, was it three weeks or four weeks prior, they were rock bottom. I think they had seven points adrift with four games to go. It was looking so unlikely and they went a home game against Derby County, the local fixture, the one with the stands basically packed to the rafters. They won 3-1, brilliant performance. Went the following week to Sunderland, first visit to the Stadium of Light. Were 1-0 down heading into the 89th minute, scored two goals in the final five minutes to win 2-1. That result sent Sunderland down. Newcastle fans love us for that. I think we're the second team of a lot of Newcastle fans because of that moment, to be honest. Uh, so that was a really memorable game. Home to Bolton the following week, 1-2-0. And all of a sudden, from the point of thin despair, we were thinking we might actually do this. And went into the final game against Preston North End, who were the toughest team of the lot. I think they were a slight chance of getting into the playoffs. They were seventh at the time, needed results to go their way elsewhere. Went 1-0 down. You're thinking, all right, we've tried. We're giving it our all. They got a man sent off. I think it was Billy Bowden, if I remember right. He dived trying to win a penalty, got a second yellow, got sent off. And things just turned in Burton's favour. And... They equalised through Hope Akban, who'd done next to nothing for the 44 games previously to that season, but got two goals in his final two games. The second one being an absolute cracker. 2,000-odd of us in that away end are just roaring with delight at Deepdale. We're thinking it's enough. We're hearing elsewhere the Bolton are losing away at Nottingham Forest, so everything's going in our favour. We're going to stay up. And then from out of nowhere, Bolton score twice, go 3-2 up against Nottingham Forest. We suddenly realise we need a winner here. So we throw everyone forwards. Preston hit us on the counter score, make it 2-1, we're down. And I just remember sinking into my seat thinking, I was the first relegation for Burton in nearly 50 years, I think it was at the time. So it was something very few of us, a generation of fans had never experienced. And, you know, we almost dealt with this season. We got quite lucky to escape from that. But yeah, I'm sure we've all, we all know about relegation, how it feels as football fans. It's not fun, but it's the pain. But you get over it and you always look towards the future because nothing lasts forever in football. I think the moment pre-season hits, you start getting a little bit excited despite what yeah. league you're in. Um, and after the first two or three games, you start getting a feel for the season and you kind of forget the season before, but at the time. And I think the worst moment for me, and it's not weren't going down from the Premier League, it was, I remember um, we conceded the last minute goal, I think it was against Oldham, that put us down. And um, even like losing the playoffs, etc. That that you know, they're all memories that we... We, we, that it's kind of what makes you stronger as a football fan. Yeah. The, the Vazte last minute goal um, to, to not, you know, to not get his up, etc. You know, that was probably my most painful moment in terms of being at Wembley um, and that happening. But like you say, you just go through the highs and lows of football. But talking about the lows, I, I, I knew a lot about Burton season, but it kind of sort of hit me the other day when I saw someone tweet um, after 22 games, you were rock bottom. Um, <laughs> and I think that's why you keep alluding to the fact that you're so shocked that why you stayed up this season and talk us talk to us about what changed. Was it those sign-ins in January or was it a fact that something just clicked or because to be bottom after 22 games, you know, 24 games left, just over half the season, yeah. you, you look dead and buried. And I, for one, was, was really surprised about the football you were playing and, and how you turned it around. 
Well, I think the best way to start the story would be go back to late December. We'd been beaten 5-1 at Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln had been fantastic this season. It wasn't really a surprise that they ran ragged. That young front line was up against the back line that was 32 years old, all of them. So it was no surprise to me that they ran so ragged. There was so much convinced amongst people that Jake Buxton just wasn't the right person at the time. And it's not because I don't think he could ever be a good manager. I think he could be. It was just a lot of mistakes. There wasn't that really experienced head alongside him, which is what you want if you're a young manager coming through. There wasn't that. He was really struggling with the time. Starting was really difficult. They played Wigan the following Tuesday at home, went 1-0 up, equaliser, 2-0 up, equaliser, or 3-2 three, three, up, led three times and ended up losing. And that was the end of him. He, he moved on. Um, I, we do wish him all the best somewhere because he's been a great servant to the club yeah. across two different spells. been fantastic. Part of the reason they got into the Football League in the first place 10-odd years ago. And I remember the moment he was released, there were calls that Jimmy thought Hasselbank because of the success he'd had in that first spell. And there was a lot of doubt about it. I think the main reason for us was that the squad he took over the first time was one that was riding high at the top of League Two at the time, looking like one that could potentially go all the way and get promoted. And he just enhanced them and made it even better and turned them into a great League One team as well. It was the complete opposite here. And since leaving Burton, going to Queen's Park Rangers, going to Northampton, it hadn't worked out at either of those clubs. We've only been out of management for several years. So we're all quite a bit sceptical about it. But then the news breaks on New Year's Day that he's coming in you naturally can't help but feel excited. If you've got someone who's got that good memories with you coming back to the club, you do get excited about it. A little bit of scepticism, of course, at the time from people, not just at the club, but abroad, but outside the club as well. I remember there were quite a few Northampton fans who were shaking their hands together, thinking this is Burton basically out of it because they believe Jimmy Thornassenbank just isn't a good manager, to be honest. What I loved about the appointment, though, was that they were getting Dino Mamre alongside him. And Dino someone I've spoken to before. His, de- his dedication to football is incredible. His record with football as well. He's been a manager. A lot of clubs, unfortunately for him, he's been with clubs that have always done themselves a lot of trouble. People like Southport, Northwich, Victoria. He's been at Oldham Athletic. He was at Stevenage at the time. And he's always got them out of trouble every time by really improving their points per game record under him. So I was really encouraged by what that could potentially do. Because at the time, I think we were Thor adrift at the time, having lost 5-1 to Oxford when they were in the stands. And I wish they'd been on the sidelines because... That was the worst I'd seen them. They looked like they hadn't had any training at all between then and the Wigan game. Got heavily, heavily beaten on that day. But I kind of wondered, could that have been a blessing in disguise? Is it because because they've seen them at their absolute worst, could they see literally everything that needs to be worked on to that point? And they go into the following week, Gillingham, Priestfield. Matt, I don't know if you're watching. Yeah, okay, he was. <laughs> <laughs> we go into that. Um, we brought one guy in, Hayden Carter, a young centre-back on loan from Blackburn Rovers. But already in the space of a week, you could see there was something different about them. You could tell already there was so much better organisation. They looked structured. They were looking to really restrict the play. I know Gillingham were quite frantic for the last 20 or so minutes. Jordan Graham switching between the flanks, trying to cause problems as he has all season. I remember, was it O'Connor who put it over the bar in the last minute? Right over the bar at the end, I think, cause, which ended up being the chance that they missed, which got quite lucky to get the win. Didn't um, your keeper make a really good save from John O'Kindy in injury time? I think as well. he did, yeah. He made a point yeah. blank save, and yeah. I think it was O'Connor who had an open net. And he just basically couldn't react in time and put it over the bar. Yes, I think you're right, you, yeah. You breathe a sigh of relief in that moment, but you get the win. First clean sheet all season. They hadn't had a single one up to that point. It was all really positive from there, but they were still adrift. And I think the attitude of a lot of people at the time was all right, the minimum we'd want is that they can get them off bottom, back into the mix of the teams down there, and potentially maybe get out of it towards the end. It went even better than that. They had a really, really productive January window, probably the most productive I've known 
in the time I supported the club, certainly January-wise, bringing in 12 players in total, could have brought played a whole new team, really, with the amount of positions that were brought in. And it all just began from there. And they became this team, particularly on the road, that was just so, so hard to beat. They weren't particularly a uh, particularly pretty side. They were probably at their best when they didn't have a lot of the ball, but they kept finding ways to score. And there were real similarities between that team and the one under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in the first spell, which just seemed to always manage to find a way to win. And they were just slowly working their way out. And I think within about eight games, they got out of the bottom throw altogether, having been bottom at the start of January. And it's all just gone from there. They won the brilliant six-game winning run, which is a club record in the EFL. The previous record had been four wins in a row. They broke that record with five wins, with a win at ASC Wimbledon at Plough Lane. Went to Gresty Road on the Saturday, went 3-0 up within the first half. Basically, crew gave them the points, to be honest, if we're being real. They were not with it that day. Kane Hemmings getting a hat-trick, six win in a row, EFL record. And from there, it's always looked a case of when, not if, really, with the securing the safety, which I don't think anyone was going to be able to say three months ago. I'm, I'm sure I'm the same as you lot. I can't believe it's happening. No Burton thing can really believe it's happened, so I doubt I'm sure you guys can't either as well, to be honest. No, no, for sure not. We had a comment earlier on the show just at the start. Burton looked amazing first half at Bloomfield Road. Uh, Mitch Cook's left foot, uh, Blackpool blog, um, total commitment and aggression. Yeah, I, I remember the game well. I was worried about playing you because you were on that form at the time. And mm. I think second half we woke up a little bit and it was a good draw in the end. But um, I'm not surprised Garbutt scored, by the way, because he did that twice in both games to Ipswich the previous season. He seems to turn up against Burton. Good, so good I'm not surprised he got the goal at all, to be honest. Seems a uh, cheeky, cheeky comment from Dan is also a Blackpool fan. Could tell, but we're up to something when they wanted to stop us playing for two weeks to sort their squad out in January. Uh, well, if, it worked, well, if it worked, it worked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that got called off at kickoff, didn't it? So um, yeah, that was a bit. Uh, we yeah, a couple of comments in. It's just going to be a slightly longer show today, guys. So sorry about that. But uh, it was good, important to get the reaction of a couple of fans. But um, we had a comment from um, the off the line blog earlier. So, what do Burton need to do during the summer to ensure that they can build on the good work this season and push towards the top, rather than settle for a league safety and a mid-table finish? Uh, the priority for me is replacing the lone players that have been in, particularly Hayden Carter at centre back, who has probably been the standout of all the players that have been in there. He was the first man in through the door, straight from the off. You could tell there's something special about him. I honestly think there could be a Premier League player in there with him. If Blackburn Rovers handle his development right over the next few years, I think we could see Hayden Carter potentially play in the top flight. We'll have to see with that in the future. But I think for me, the priority is placing the loans. There's been a good few loan players in the club at the minute in a number of positions replacing those with ideally permanent players and ideally younger players as well, which is what we like to see. One of the things that was really encouraging about the January business was bringing in people like Johnny Smith, Terry Taylor, Tom Hamer. These are young players that are just going to get better with time. And they were going to be good at the time, no matter what division Burton ended up in, whether they were going to end up in League Two, like people thought they might, or whether they were going to end up in League One. And if we can start to bring a squad of that kind of quality together and then work a bit on our style as well, because we have been a team for a long period that was just prioritising set pieces. We've got a guy in Tom Hamer who has an excellent long throw on him that's caused a lot of damage to a number of teams. We've got a bit of a reputation, to be honest, of being a guy that only had that kind of throw, which wasn't really true. We were able to score other kind of goals, but it was certainly something that caused a lot of threat. But there are teams that can suck that out. Oh, I remember Shrewsbury did it really well in the home game at the Pirelli. They went 1-0 up and they were just able to really suffocate everything that we did if we weren't win the first ball off the throw-ins. So I'd like us to be a bit more progressive with our star role and just relying on playing direct all the time. Hopefully that can make us a better team next season. Cool. Great answer. Thank you. Uh, a couple more. Um, 
uh, of the numerous signings of January, who would you say has made the biggest impact for Burton? Do you think Luke Atkins um, will still be the club next year? Yeah, I mentioned him already. Hayden Carter would have to be the main impact one. First one through the door. He's had the longest period here. He slotted straight into that backline straight away against that game against Gillingham, even end up getting the goal. I think, did it go down as an own goal? I think it went down as Hayden Carter's goal. Yeah, right. yeah, it didn't go down as an OG. It was your player. It didn't go down as an OG, no, no. But straight from the off, he's been contributing with goals. He's been such a leader at the back line, really intelligent with his play as well. Because you get some centre-backs at this level who will see a loose ball and just launch it. His instinct is to get more control of the ball, try and distribute out to the full-backs or to midfielders who are in space in the middle. He's been the best player in the team. Um, what was the other part of the question? Sorry. Uh, do you think Luke Atkins will be at the club next year? Akins. I don't Akins, know with Akins. Yeah. Aikens is a funny one. Um, on an emotional level, I hope he does because he's been Burton's most iconic and well-known and successful player probably the last 10 years. And I want to be there for his last game, much like a lot of Burton fans do. We don't really want to see what is essentially a club legend, one of the greatest players this club's ever had. We don't want to see him leave when we're not allowed to be there for his last game. That would really hurt. And I know I know Mansfield was very interested in the summer. Kloss, such, Nigel Cloth is such a fan of him and I'm sure he'll want to try and pursue him again, potentially. Maybe some other clubs will as well. I'd like to hope he can stand for another season. I don't know how much he'll contribute because he is in his 30s now. He's past his prime. He is, it's probably been his weakest season at the club, even though he's still contributing with goals and attacking influence. And the engine he has means you can basically just put him anywhere on the pitch and he'll give you consistent performances all the time. I'd like to hope there's another year out of him so that we can be there to see him off, really. I hope he stays. Awesome, thank you. Um, one final question, which is from the stream. Which Ross County player was better, Liam Boyce or Jackson Irvine? That's for you, obviously, for Burton. Oh, does that have to be those two to pick through? Oh, I can't do that. I, oh, I don't <laughs> know. I, Boyce had the longevity. Jackson Irvine was the reason we stayed up in the championship in that first season. Absolute midfield monster, such a great aerial threat. Double figures the goals in the championship. He's gone on to do really well. I know it's a hole for a bit, it wasn't properly used in the same way he was at Burton. I think he's now in Hibernian up in Scotland and he'll do really well there. I think he might have scored tonight actually. Got his first goal for the club. I'll probably go Boyce. I think Boyce has probably been the most technical striker this club's ever had because this was a guy who was built really big, got a great hold-up play to him, but he could do a bit of everything. He was happy drifting into the channels where he could take on a man 1v1. The way that he can manipulate the ball when he's got it at his feet to trick his opponent to get past them. Great shooting on either foot, scored some really important goals. Losing him in January last season, you notice the drop-off without him up top. They were, I think, just on the verge of the playoffs, actually, heading into January before he was let go and allowed to go to Hearts, and Burton just fell off, really, without him, and It'd be such a different story if we'd had him this season because he's easily been one of the best strikers in the league one for me over the last couple of seasons. So I'll Absolutely. go with the Hopefully that answers your question, Liam. Um, and moving on very quickly, got just two more things to look at. We're going to look at tomorrow's fixtures. Um, starting with you, Matt. Um, any that stand out for you? Um, for tomorrow, obviously, the, a few clubs' games in hand. Um, so it's important sort of some take advantage of that. But yeah, what stands out for you there? I think the two obvious ones are the ones at the the one at the bottom, AFC Wimbledon, Rochdale. I think Wimbledon are safe if they don't get beat, and uh, Rochdale probably need to win. I know it's their game in hand to keep themselves within striking distance of the line. And at the other end, Sunderland, Blackpool, two teams that have probably run into 
poor form at the worst possible time. So that'd be an interesting one. It'd be interesting to see how both sides approach it. You'd imagine if either side wins, they're guaranteed playoffs. They lose it. You don't know what it does for the confidence. So probably be a draw. <laughs> I take a draw now. Um, I've got Sunderland to win. I've done my score predictions for tomorrow. I'm so happy you've chose Sunderland to win because you had us for six points over the last two games. So thank you. And Hull not to get promoted. So thank you. <laughs> Ed, anything from uh, you that stands out other than the two matches? You said obviously there's not much else to play for. Peterborough is slightly interested. And Charlton Crew for me is is a big one because Crew on their day can you know really upset some teams. Yeah, there's a little bit riding on probably all, but one of them, the only one that isn't really riding anything on is probably Burton Albion Sleetwood, isn't it? Which is, by the way, that's a given Sleetwood win. Any Burton Albion Sleetwood town game is a Sleetwood win. I ride that game off every time because Sleetwood's record with Burton is always so strong ever since they've beaten him at Wembley, really. Um, the Peterborough one's important. Get, I think it's a point they need. Maybe even the win just clinches the promotion for them, which pretty much nailed in looks set in stone to me. Sunderland Blackpool is a good one. It's probably now a case of really competing for which place you end up in the playoffs and that could play a part. I'm sure there'd be people who would rather play certain teams in the playoffs compared to others based on form. I look at that Rochdale Wimbledon one. So important. Rochdale are probably the only one out of those teams in the bottom four that you realistically look at and think could get out of there. But the problem is for them, they could well go and win all three games, but they need ASC Wimbledon or Wigan Athletic to really fall off the form they're on the minutes. And I'm not sure either of them will do that. So that could, unfortunately, even with a win in that game, could mean that the final two weeks just aren't enough for them to get out of it. But the other ones are teams chasing the playoffs. I'm still not entirely sure who ends up in there. I think Sunderland and Lincoln will, but you've got Oxford potentially out there. You've got Portsmouth potentially there. It's really difficult to call those players places, but I'm sure the playoffs themselves are going to be really entertaining because there's going to be some very good teams in there. Yeah, on the talk of playoffs, uh, you've kind of answered the question, but I'm going to get it up anyway. Um I still have yet to make a graphic for the table, so I do apologise, guys. Can you all see that all right? Yeah. Yeah, so, Matt, has your um, predictions changed for the top six, or is it still too hard to call every week? Yeah, it's too hard. Again, it's... It... <laughs> Two weeks ago, I said Lincoln were falling out, and then they've lost one in four since coming back from their COVID break, and they've been really good. Sunderland haven't won in five. Oxford have put together a run. There's lots of green in their form table, isn't there? Blackpool. You know, lost the last two. Portsmouth are in and out. It's Charlton first defeat under Atkins, but it's against a very good Peterborough side. I still fancy Charlton to get in there at the expense of Oxford. But I'll change my mind next Monday when we've seen some more games. Because yeah, the, the fun thing is Burton play Oxford on the final game of the season and James, my co-host, is a big Oxford fan. If Burton stop Oxford getting in the playoffs, I'm probably getting kicked off the pod. So well, you're, quite... you're, you're, you're welcome here, mate. I'm super happy Matt predicted us on the win, but he's got to get one right soon. So this, God's law that this will be the one he gets right. But um, for me, obviously, MK Don's just done such an incredible job to be, to be where they are. I'm not saying to be sort of above Gillingham and Ipswich, etc., because Ipswich have been on such a poor run of form, but. It just shows you how well they've consistently progressed up that table. And like we said, they could be challenging next year, no doubt. Um, for me, it's, it, it's Sunderland, Lincoln and Charlton. And I, and I can't call the rest. The reason I'm a bit apprehensive about Blackpool, despite us getting, we've still got Northampton and Bristol Rovers to, and Doncaster to play games you think we'd like to pick up points in. We don't do very well against the 
the t- the bottom sides. And I think D three D four ironically put out a tweet the other day, and we're I think second for points taken off the top eight. So I'd much rather have bigger games this season. So maybe if we do get the playoffs, we'll we'll do a right in them. But it's how we sort of cope with teams like Bristol Rovers. Besides law that they do the double over us as well this season. So we'll see how tomorrow goes. But uh, yeah, for me, Lincoln um, look really good at the moment and they look decent against us with without some of their you know main players and, and with Grant coming back as well they they could be a big threat and you know go into the playoffs with some real good form but Ed you have any final predictions for for I know you just said you can't really call it but yeah some of the link yeah some of the link to me I've loved Blackpool all season Blackpool at one point I was convinced we're just going to go all the way because I believe Momentum plays a massive part to the playoffs. What you ideally want to do is start hitting a winning run around late March, climb yourself into that top six, and that normally takes you all the way. Maybe Charlton, in that case, could be the person. I've really enjoyed them under Nigel Adkins. I think they're a thorns to be reckoned with and probably still going a bit under the radar because of the teams that are above them. Pompey should be in there because, to me, they've got one of the best squads in the league, one that actually rivals what Hull and Peterborough have. But I don't know. I was really convinced with the Cowleys of short while ago and then they've hit a bit of a bad patch which could potentially cost them I'm still confident about the future with them really I think the Cowleys are absolutely exceptional managers and I'm really excited what they can do but they might miss out so I'm probably going to go Sunderland, Lincoln Blackpool and Charlton with Oxford just missing out in sevens which James will love <laughs> Yeah that, that final game is massive for you um, <laughs> Yeah I'm going to stop sharing now guys Um I think that takes us to the end of the show, actually. Um, we'll do the form guide sort of next week, I think, with the bottom basically being decided now. Obviously, tomorrow we'll get a really good idea on on who's going down. But, um, yeah, that takes us to the end. Um, thanks, for everyone, for getting involved. Um, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and, and, and your insight has been incredible. So thank you so much. Yeah, I've really loved being part of this, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. No, you're most welcome. Thanks to Ant. Thanks to Charlie for coming on as well. And last but not least, thanks for Matt. Uh, for for another incredible show, always a pleasure. Uh, just to leave as standard, um, if you could like and subscribe to our channel, uh, just hit over 150, I think recently, and we've only been on a few weeks. It's, it's been decent, and we'd like to keep growing to to keep making content, guys. So keep following on uh, YouTube, keep following on Twitter, and we've got some uh, mugs and some glasses coming in the next few weeks as well for for you to sort of enjoy um there'll be more news from that in the next couple of weeks and we'll see you all again same time next week good evening